Football is back and right now Bet365 are offering a wide range of markets including first, last or any time goal scorers. With over 45 million members, it's the world's favourite online betting company. We've got wall-to-wall Premier League football with games being played nearly every day. And with Bet365 Bet Builder, you can combine match results, players to score, number of goals and more to create your own personalised bet. And if you can't watch all the games live, with Bet365's Match Live feature, you can follow every moment through live graphics and text. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple App Store. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Hello everyone, this is Sam Delaney and Roshane Thomas with the UIONS podcast, West Ham podcast from the good people at The Athletic. We're recording this the morning after an extremely disappointing defeat against Tottenham. Two games, two 2-0 two defeats since the season restarted. Roshane, where, where do we start with that performance? Pretty depressing, right? For me personally, I found it hard to go to bed last night, I was just... So frustrated by that, by that performance, and in many ways it was quite similar to the um, yeah, one of the feet at Arsenal where we had so many chances but we just couldn't put them away. Mark Noble had a great chance in like the first minute. Bowen hit the post. Fornals had a good chance, it was similar to the goal he scored against Liverpool. And it's just like you're thinking like, like we're in a relegation zone here. We can't keep scoring in these big chances. Like we need to put them away. Obviously, I had the saying goals, goal changes games. But we're just not doing that right now. When you, when you put it like that, mate, I mean, there's a lot of people, the reaction on Twitter last night was a lot of people saying, well, you know, th- this team, the problem is it's got no ambition, no desire and no ideas going forward. And I've sort of, you know, it's easy to buy into that kind of idea. But actually, the way you've just phrased it has made me feel a bit more positive because actually, reflected on the game, yeah, we did create a lot of chances. And, you know, if you keep creating them, sooner or later, they're going to go in. So, you know, is there some slither of hope in the fact that we are still a team capable of creating goal-scoring opportunities and that perhaps um, as the season goes on, there's still enough fixtures and some of them look much more winnable than Tottenham and Wolves that, you know, we could get something out of this season? How do you feel? Obviously, Chelsea will be a tough game, but we beat them 1-0 in November. So I'm optimistic that we can do... All right in that match, but I mean the winnable games after that are what Newcastle, Burnley, uh, Norwich, and Watford. On mm. paper, they look like winnable fixtures for West Ham. But when you really think about it and you're reflecting the season, West Ham are giving me no confidence whatsoever that they can win any of any of those matches. Let's not. <laughs> I mean, look the new the Newcastle game, right? Last time you played them, that match was full of defensive errors. The game against uh, Burnley, that's the match where Roberto punched the ball into his own net. Barbera had a poor game. The only two matches where you look at and think, hey, we played well against were Norwich and, and Watford because we beat them. So mm. I'm not really filled with optimism for those matches, if I'm being honest, because we, we tend to struggle against like weaker teams, if you want to call it that. Hang on a minute. What about our best performance probably of the year, of 2020 so far, came against Southampton not long before lockdown. Um, uh, I think it was Bowen's debut. He played a blinder, scored a goal. Uh, we played Halla up front with Antonio and suddenly there was a lot of hope. If you listen back to our podcast after that performance, it was like it was hope because we thought here is the makings of a of a really good attack and Moises showed ambition by playing two up front at home. He had no option 
um, yesterday. He couldn't play two up front simply because I think we sold about six strikers in the <laughs> summer. And with Haller out, you know, he was reduced to playing a man who is effectively a winger up front. And I thought actually considering that, he did very well, Antonio. You know, he is a he's a player that never shirks responsibility, in my opinion. And I think I've always been a fan of his since day one, since he first arrived at the club. I looked at him last night. He was he was fighting a lone battle. You know, it's not his position. It's not a natural way for him to play. But he ran and ran. He held the ball up. He created the odd chance here and there. You know, the, the, there are there are players in this side who want to fight. You know, Bowen ran. Rice always performs well. In fact, I thought it was very good last last night. Um, you know, Noble will get on to. You know, the bloke doesn't lack desire. So whether he's got the legs or the technique anymore is is the big question. But the point is, there are there are players in that squad who I think want to perform and have got it, have got the heart. You know, Suchek, we know how much he runs. You know, um, I don't think he's quite settled into. The Premier League, yeah, I don't think he's quite at the stage of really putting his stamp on a game, is he? But he's someone who's not going to go missing in games. Um, I guess the problem is that there are players who are the ones who at the Premier League are supposed to be there to unlock the door of very, you know, very, very accomplished Premier League defences are the ones with something special in their locker, so to speak. Felipe Anson, Manu Lanzini, Pablo Fornaus. These lads are the ones who I think are going missing. I mean, uh, Fornals was getting much, much better before lockdown. Um, he's come back and against Wolves and um, and Spurs, I thought that he, he's gone back to the, the old Fornals that we saw at the beginning of the season. And at Felipe Anderson, I mean, Felipe Anderson, Rashane, is nothing short of a disgrace. What are your thoughts on him? Uh, I agree. I agree. I mean, he annoyed me in the game on Saturday against Wolves where he was anonymous during his time on the field. So it was, it was correct for Moyes to drop him. But I mean, when he was brought on, he, apart from one shot, he didn't contribute much. He scored one goal all season. I remember the game against Chelsea um, where Pellegrini took him off and he was like, annoyed for coming off. And you're thinking like, you didn't even do anything in the game. Like, why, why are you annoyed for coming off? I mean, he's been poor throughout the whole season then. And like, when we think about it, right, my biggest frustration with Moyes is he keeps bringing on the same players from the bench, like the Lanzinis, the Andersons, and they've been they've been garbage this season, if I'm being honest. Garbage. The last time Lanzini scored for West Ham was, what, last year, May? He hasn't scored in a year. I think he's provided, what, two assists all season. I mean, it's just not good enough. So, you're looking at it and you think, I mean, we touched on Noble briefly. I mean, why not give Rorschel a chance? Why not play a jetty? I mean, we've reached desperation stage right now. I mean... We've got, we got to freshen it up. We've got to try different things. Why not give Xander Silva a chance? Stop bringing on Anderson Lanzini every single match where they're not contributing anything. That's my frustration. I mean, Anderson in particular, he came on and even when he was being brought on last night, uh, one of my friends sent me a message saying, he looks like an old man who's confused as to where he is or what he's doing there. He certainly didn't have what you might call fire in his eyes, you know. <laughs> or like, you know, a will to get... He looked like he was a little bit gutted that he'd been asked to come on. I mean, I've never seen a player who less wants to be there. But the funny thing is, when they were bringing on Lanzini and Anderson, I thought, who would have thought, you know, as West Ham fans growing up, 
that in a London derby, a goal down, we were able to bring on an Argentinian and a Brazilian, both of whom had played for their national sides. Unbelievable that we have that on the bench. But it sounds good on paper. The reality is uh, pretty depressing. To celebrate the return of the Premier League, we're offering 40% off a subscription with The Athletic for a limited time only. Go to theathletic.com slash West Ham pod to sign up for less than £3 a month. At The Athletic, we care about every club with a dedicated journalist for each team. So sign up now to enjoy unrivaled coverage and insight to all 20 sides as the season reaches its belated conclusion. I say all 20. There's a load of West Ham coverage. You don't have to worry about the rest. It's still worth three quid. Let's talk about Mark Noble, though, mate, because, you know, he had a, a pretty poor first half. The second half wasn't much better. He was taking a lot of flack on social media. A lot of people pointing the finger at him. I love Mark Noble. He's one of my all-time favourite hammers. But, you know, he is a player in steep decline at the moment, isn't he? Yeah, and as you mentioned, he was really poor in the first half. Kept giving the ball away. I'm going to watch had a free kick in a good position. Crossed it in and it was poor. I mean, and you know what? Like, um, when lockdown happened, I had to put, I had to write a piece for the Athletic on like West Ham's best starting starting eleven, and I actually didn't include Mark Noble. And people were like, oh, we need Mark Noble's leadership, and I felt bad because I think you know this guy's been great for West Ham. I mean, we could still do his leadership on the field. And then for my recent one, I put him back in the team. And now it's one of those ones where you're thinking like, you can't drop Mark Noble because he's been at West Ham for so long, but. On the flip side of things, you, you sort of have to drop him because he's 33 now. He hasn't got the legs. He scores goals, but albeit from the penalty spot, he doesn't really like have an impact on the game as he used to do. So that's we have a player like Jack Wilshere, for example. I mean, we all know about his injury record, but just to freshen it up, just to give someone else a chance because the trial and test is more noble. I mean, as we saw the game yesterday, so it's not working right now. Well, it happens to every club legend. You know, Billy Bonds uh, had to be eased out of the team in the end. You know, um, club legends, in the end, you don't just have a free pass to be in the first team forever. Mark Noble's also a massive West Ham fan. And I think, you know, he'll just want us to stay up. And if he knows that he, you know, it could be that he's a player to come on late in games when we're protecting a lead, for instance. But, you know, I'm guessing from memory, your your uh, lineup that you named, at the beginning of lockdown, would have had a midfield three of Rice, Suchik and four nails. And that actually has more balance to it in any case. Uh, because, you know, last night, we effectively started with three defensive-minded midfielders, you know, in, in Noble, Rice and Suchik, which is just sort of overkill. If you've got any ambition whatsoever to try and win the game or score goals... You know, you need to have a more of a balanced midfield rather than three whose main priority is to sort of shut down the opposition, right? Yeah, it's just it's just a shame that, you know, as you mentioned before, like all the attacking players we have are unable to like make any sort of contribution. When you think about the game against Wolves, try when before Chai yeah. even came on the pitch, you just knew it was gonna have an impact one way or another. You just knew it. And then when he came on, yeah. I think in less than seven minutes he came on, gave the assist for him and his goal. And you think to yourself, like, why can't West Ham have a player who could do something similar? Mate, we were linked with Traore for about three years when he was at Middlesbrough. Like the amount of times we were on the verge of signing him. And I kept hearing, well, we're looking at him, but we're not sure he's quite good enough for the Premier League. He might be a bit part player. Maybe it's not worth it. I mean, he's one of the most dangerous wingers there is, isn't he? 
So, and and it's just another classic example of West Ham. The t- we've talked about this before. People are getting stuck into Moyes this morning. I'm hearing a lot of people saying, oh, you know, Moyes' record is is the same as Avram Grant's. Now, most people agree that Avram Grant's the worst manager West Ham ever had, but people now comparing Moyes to him. I think that's unfair. I think, you know, Bilic is a good manager. We can see that from what he's doing at West Brom now. Um, you know, we could see that in his first season. Pellegrini had an amazing track record as a manager. And David Moyes has more experience than either of those as a Premier League manager, right? So we've had three different types of manager, all with proven track records elsewhere, all of whom failed to get this squad of players to function, right? So I think that to just put the blame on the manager is is wrong. I, although I thought we were right to get rid of Pellegrini when we did. You know, what, we've, what any manager who comes into the club is dealing with is a sort of a hodgepodge of players that have been cobbled together over a number of years with no rhyme or reason and no strategy. You know, um, a club who, who one minute are hiring them, firing directors of football, the next minute, you know, getting rid of their scouting network, the next minute we're in rumours that the owner's son is using FIFA to select players that we go out and spend millions on, Right. There is no strategy. There's no philosophy. It seems that summer comes around and uh, David Sullivan sees who's around and who we might be able to get. And what that means is we've got a cobbled together patchwork of a team that's been ill thought through. And whether you're Pellegrini, Bilic or Moyes, you have to come in and make the best of a team that effectively doesn't make any sense. I mean, Moyes, I've I've read and I've heard and he alluded to it in his post-match interview last night that what he wants to do if he's given the chance is build a team based on, I think he spent some time studying um, Leipzig when he was out of work, didn't he? Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Said so he spent time there doing a bit of scouting and just watching how they coach teams and whatnot. But what I will say is I, I, I somewhat disagree with you, Sam. I will somewhat put the blame on uh, Moyes. His tactics right. haven't been great. I mean, as I mentioned earlier, it takes ages to bring on subs. I was, doing, I was working out earlier. I think I'm right in saying he's brought on subs in around the 80th minute mark 13 times since he returned in January. I mean, he's just like, bring them on earlier. I remember the game against Man City where we're quite fortunate to still be in the game at half-time. You're thinking, just have a chance. Stop being so cautious. You know, bring on some attacking players. And in my opinion, I feel like Moyes is under pressure. I think Moyes is under pressure, mate. I mean... It didn't work out for Moyes at Man United. It didn't work out for Moyes at Real Sociedad. It didn't work out for Moyes at Sunderland. I mean, fans were unhappy with his appointment in the first place. So when you think about it, in managerial terms, in the top flight, this is pretty much Moyes' last chance. So he has to do, he has to impress. And I just feel like right now, he's under pressure. Two wins, I think I'm right to say, in West Ham's last 12 or 13 matches. I mean, that record is terrible. And I've seen people say, get Big Sam. Big Sam's available. Marco Silva's available. Get these guys in, and you think to yourself, maybe they could do a better job than Moyes right now. Nah, you don't. Do you, do you think, right? You've got more insights to what's going on behind the scenes at the club than I have. Do you genuinely think there's a possibility that they could replace Moyes before the end of the season? I wouldn't rule it out. I really wouldn't rule it out. Think wow. about it like this, right? If West Ham suffer relegation, there's a good shot. There's no guarantee West Ham will win promotion next season if they were to suffer relegation the championship. What could happen is West Ham could be like a Sunderland or Bolton who get stuck in the championship for so long or perhaps suffer relegation to League One. I mean, that's how you're looking at it. If West Ham suffer relegation, 
pretty much the whole team is leaving. Rice, Suchek, Krabianski, probably Noble and a few others will be the only ones there. So the ball could panic and be like, hey, Big, big Sam's available or whoever is available. Let's get them in. It's going to cost them a lot of money. It's a big gamble, huge gamble. But I suppose, the yeah, like you say, the impact financially of relegation almost doesn't bear thinking about. Yeah, exactly. So I would, I really wouldn't put it past this board at all. I really wouldn't. Coming up, we're going to be speaking to Andy Byrne from Hammers United. Harry sponsors You Irons, a podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Harry's was founded by Jeff and Andy, two ordinary guys who were sick and tired of overpriced razors. Their amazing quality blades are now almost half the price of the leading five-blade brand. Harry's trial set includes everything you need for a close, comfortable shave. I use it, and I have done even before I was being financially rewarded for making these ads. Uh, I get a bunch of blades turn up every month. And the, the gel, which is um, very pleasing on my face. And I can tell you, it beats going down to the chemist and paying through the nose for the other leading brand five blade razors. As a listener, you can start shaving with Harry's today by claiming your trial set for £3.95. £3.95. Support our podcast and get your set delivered to you, including a razor handle, five blade cartridge, Bowman Shave Gel and Travel Blade Cover by going to harrys.com slash uirons right now. That's harrys.com slash uirons. Okay, we're joined now by Andy Byrne uh, from Hammers United. He's going to give us an update on the status of the protests. But first, Andy, what do you make of the performance last night? Do you think there is a chance, as Rashane believes, that David Moyes could be out before the end of the season? I don't know that they'll get rid of him before the end of the season. I still think we might just stay up. But the only reason I think we might stay up is because Villa and Bournemouth are so bad and they've got such a tough run of fixtures. It, it was sad to watch Declan Rice last night. Kind of realised how how good he is. Uh, he's too good for us. And just kind of chatting to a few friends during the game last night, coming to the conclusion that whatever happens, we're probably going to lose him in the summer. And then we start all over again looking for that that next youngster or that next crop of youngsters to bring through. And it's it's been such a long time since we've had one or, or any, really. I felt, um, I mean, I'm not putting Bowen in the same class as Rice quite yet, but I also looked at Bowen and felt a bit sorry for him because I thought he was hot property. He's wanted by a load of clubs. He'd been one of the best players in the championship for a, for a couple of years. And he's somehow, he must be thinking, what am I doing here? Yeah, he must, he must be wondering what he's let himself in for. He ran and ran. He showed touches of quality. He's a great player. I think he's only going to get better. I think he'll end up playing for England one day, whether that's while he's at West Ham or elsewhere. But, you know, why did he come to West Ham? That's what he must be asking himself. <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised we got him. I was yeah. surprised at the time and I'm still surprised. With so many clubs, you know, reportedly after him. Uh, I mean, he, he was widely touted, wasn't he, across, uh, you know, across the Premier League as, a, as as one of the next big stars from the Championship. I'm not quite sure how we pulled that one off. And it was pretty much our only signing, I think, bar bar Randolph of the January window. Oh, we, um, we got Suchek, didn't we? But um, uh, of course, not yeah, really a yeah, permanent Suchek signing. Well. So, um, yeah, I mean, we we were looking through, we were looking through the side last night, myself and my, my mates as the game was going on, trying to think, if we were in the championship next year, who would we still have? 
Uh, Moyes probably probably would be gone, I guess, if we got relegated. And then you look through the side, almost undoubtedly, Fabianski, Diop, Rice, uh, Haller, Anderson would all would all go, almost certainly. I would imagine Fournals, Lanzini, probably Bowen wouldn't be too far behind. Um, and then you're looking around to see, right, well, who who would stick with us? And what type of team would we have if we did end up in the championship? Well, it reminds me of when we went down with the... Um... With the Joe Cole team, when Glenn Rodier and and latterly Trevor Brooking oversaw that relegation, and I remember the first game the following season against I think it was against Preston North End. It was Preston away. Yep, you're right. And we had a te- a barely recognisable team out there. I think we played three up front: Neil Miller, Jermaine Defoe, and old uh, David Connolly. And so it was just yes, one of those things. Connolly, where, that's right. He scored where it, goals that it, season, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. He's a good lad. Um, but yeah, I think it would be looking at a situation like that. Anyway, look, let's. I don't want to dwell on that too much. I, I think you know, you look at the fixtures. There is a chance we can stay up. I know that the way Moyes looked at it last time, when it looked like we were nailed on to go down, is he's one of these managers who almost will be writing off certain fixtures. You know, he'd have looked at Wolves, Spurs, and Chelsea and thought, right. Let's try and get through those. A point would be great. Anything more than that would be unbelievable. But that getting points out of those games is not part of my maths, right? Getting points out of the subsequent games against Newcastle, Burnley, Watford and Norwich and all of that stuff, right? That's the one. Um, and who knows? You know, he might be right. We might just scrape just enough out of there uh, to do it. But, you know, I guess we'll wait and see. We were just talking about Roshane saying, you know, Big Sam's available. Big Sam must be sat next to his phone at a time like this, chuckling to himself. And when he sees the name David Sullivan come up, he would just answer the phone with two words. How much? It'd just be like, how much are you going to pay me to put my reputation on the line and come and try and salvage something from that ridiculous squad that you've assembled there? Right? Um, But doesn't this conversation... That we're, we're, you know, the fact that we're even, that we're even sitting here talking about should we get rid of Moyes, should we get Allardyce in, that the fact that we're having this conversation about let's hope we beat Norwich and Watford, it, it just sums up where we've come to as a club, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, and that brings us on to the status of the protest and what the plans are between now and the end of the season. Um, you know, uh, it, it, strength and support for the cause were were growing and growing over the past year, and you're right. You know, here we are in this stadium that no one wants to be at, right? Watching a team that is, you know, on on every measurable level, worse than the one we left Upton Park with. Every element of the club is in a worse situation than it was. And we sacrificed Upton Park for that. Um, It's pretty depressing. Something's got to change. What Hammers United going to do about it? (laughs) Uh, well, we're going to pick up where we left off as soon as we can. I mean, and I, and I say we're going to pick up where we left off. We we haven't stopped, um, mm. you know, to be honest. But the first thing that I, I would like to make clear is that the protests are not results based. Um, mm. They've never been results based. However, we can't get away from the fact, and I've said this all along, we can't get away from the fact that when the team are doing badly, when we lose a game or when we lose a series of games or perhaps when we get relegated, people feel more aggrieved, more angry, you know, more proactive perhaps than than they would do if we were winning and if we were a top six side. So whilst it's not results-based, 
the current situation is certainly one that I think we'll see support continue to grow. Um, our current position as a committee is one that, and it's difficult. It's difficult to quantify this position, I think, and it's difficult to be tangible when I say this. But whilst we've got a pandemic that is still still with us, you know, it's still a, still a real danger. I mean, the government were, were very keen to try and stress yesterday that you know that this has not gone away. Um, even though we're trying to live our lives alongside this virus, it hasn't gone away, and it is still a dangerous time for people. And whilst we've got people who's who can't send their children to school people who potentially can't visit loved ones in hospital, people who might be restricted from going to a family's funeral, people who've perhaps had their, their livelihoods destroyed and who don't, don't know where to turn for for the next meal. Um, you know, I don't think it's over. It's an over-exaggeration to say that this thing is still ruining um, hundreds of thousands of lives. And as much as it's not, you, you know, as much as we're not going to get to a point where we can flick a switch and say, all right, okay, yeah, we're all good now, this thing's over, so I understand there's ne there's not necessarily a tangible end to this. We as a committee still feel it's too soon to be asking people to switch their attention from, you know, probably family crisis for a lot of people from a family crisis to a to a crisis in football, which you know in the in the grand scheme of things does come second to to family crisis. I think that's a, a noble way of looking at it. Um, I think, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see how things unfold because, you know, so many of us would have been looking forward to football coming back to sort of relieve the stress and anxiety of of this whole kind of COVID-19 situation. <laughs> and let's be honest, it's only made things worse, hasn't it? So, uh, Sandy, if the worst case scenario happens and West Ham suffer relegation, do you reckon perhaps it's likely that the, uh, the board will sell up? Yeah, there's, I think there's quite different different opinions on how relegation is going to affect them as a board. And I think it really comes down to how how much financial security they have to allow them to run this football club in the championship, potentially for an extended period of time. So there was, you know, there's there's been murmurings towards uh, the end of the season and if you like in this kind of closed season period that they're not particularly financially um, healthy at the minute. Uh, there was talk of the the requirement for you know investment in the club, um, asking shareholders to put extra money in, and then you've got this this business of the refunds, which makes you think that they're potentially in a situation where they can't afford to refund all season tickets. Which, if they're running that close to the line, makes you wonder whether they can afford to bankroll a football club in the championship where they're not getting the same level of investment that they would get from the TV companies in the Premier League. So I think it it comes down to their to their affordability. They obviously, you know, they, they've been quite open in stating that they want to, if, if they sell, they want to leave with a profit. And some of the valuations that they've put on the club are, are quite frankly ridiculous. And the valuations that they've put on a club without, without many assets, to be honest. Um, it, so it really depends whether they're willing to say to themselves look, we're not going to get a profit we can't afford to keep this club going in the championship and so we're going to have to take our losses and run or whether they say look we're tough this out we'll stick it out we've got enough money in the bank we can wait until we go back to the premier league and we can then you know keep going until we get the price that we want interesting stuff 
Um, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, for the time being, I guess let's all try and stay positive that we can get enough out of these last few games and none of that will be an issue. Andy, always a pleasure talking to you. Keep up the good work, mate. And we'll speak again, uh, no doubt, very soon. Rishane, I'll speak to you as always after the uh, next defeat against Chelsea this time. Uh, just, uh, just to give a heads up to our listeners, there should be a, a piece on the site of a young team player at West Ham who's directed a pro deal and... There will also be a feature piece on what's it like to be involved in a relegation battle featuring former West Ham players. Good stuff. All right. Until next time, everyone, come on, you irons. And uh, let's never forget, ladies and gents, there's only one Samasia Boo.